Another opportunity to receive at your table. Thank you that you prepared a table for us in the presence of our enemies. Hallelujah. And you said to taste and see that you are good. Jesus, you are the bread of life. And today we partake of that. And we get to taste and see through your word that you're good to us. We receive the word of God. We believe there's unction and utterance in the Holy Ghost that you give us the right words to say, a word in due season, a specific word that speaks to the heart of every individual that's in this place. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah. Say this with me, for the Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. I want you to turn, if you would, to two portions of Scripture. We're going to start reading Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13. Then we're going to go to Exodus chapter 20 and verse 5. Those two portions of scripture. And then we'll see where we go from there. We've been talking uh, for a few weeks. Last week uh, we went a little bit different direction. But we've been talking about being in Christ. Today I want to talk about being re-engineered in Christ Jesus. Being re-engineered in Christ Jesus. That's my title. I believe you'll really really be blessed uh, with today's message. Now, Galatians, Galatians, if you'll put that on the screen, chapter 3, verse 13, we'll begin reading there. It says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Look at verse 14, if you would that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now let's go back to verse 13, and let's just kind of go through this, a little bit of review. Look what it's talking here, what it says. He says, Christ hath. The word hath there is in the past tense. That means this has been done. It's already finished. He doesn't need to do this. He doesn't need to replicate the work that he did on the cross. The work that he did, he said it is finished. It's a complete work. And that work was the purchase price, the payment price that was required to free you or set you free from every curse. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're not redeemed by gold or silver, the blood of goats or calves, the Bible says, but you're redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So it required that. It required that to set you free from all of the curse. It required the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the shed blood was the payment price. Hallelujah. That sets you free from all the curse. That's why we see the word hath in the scripture, here's a very important word. You can't overlook that because it's a complete finished work. It's something that's already been done. He does not have to climb up to the cross every time you get a sniffle or every time a curse comes on you somehow, some way, and repeat the work that he did. The work that he did was enough. Hallelujah. There's enough power in the blood of Jesus to set you free from every bit of the curse. Hallelujah. That's poverty, sickness, disease, lack. 
Hallelujah. Sin, all of the curse has been taken care of. And notice here, he has redeemed us from the curse. Now, in light of the word curse, we hear a lot about, I'm going to teach a little bit today. We'll, we'll get to preaching some. I'm going to get excited here today. So if I get a little excited, just get excited with me. Praise God. But I believe you're going to get some revelation and see yourself in the scripture and see some of these nagging things that may have been kind of holding on to you that you've always seen as something that you can never get away from. You've determined that it's something that's passed on to you, maybe because of a family gene or maybe because of choices that someone else did. You might think that it's inevitable that your life has ended up the way it's ended up, but I'm here to tell you that the power of the finished work of the cross is greater than any past experience that you could have ever had. And I believe if you can see yourself and find yourself in these scriptures today, you're going to get set free from some of these, these things that you hold on to. Jesus got rid of it, but you hold on to it. And if you hold on to it, it will gladly stay attached to your life. Now, we hear a lot about this phrase, generational curses. Anybody hear about generational curses? And we hear a lot about things that have been passed down from generation to generation. You know there's some truth to that. There's some truth to that. I don't believe in it. In other words, I'm not believing for that to be passed down into my life. I do understand that there are certain things genetically that are passed down. But for me, the buck stopped with Jesus. You know, that's a phrase we've heard on the news in the last week. The buck stops with me. Well, Jesus wants you to know that the curse stopped with him. I said the curse stopped with him. Don't shout me down, but you need to understand this. Yet there are certain things that if you don't see that and don't understand that, you'll allow those things that possibly were carried through or carried on genetically through a family history or a family tree those things will continue on in your life until you get to the place where you see, have your spirit enlightened, and understand this truth, and then apply your faith in the direction of your generational blessing that belongs to you. So I don't believe in a generational curse. I believe in a generational blessing. And I believe that the curse stopped with Jesus, and the blessing started with Jesus. Hallelujah. So I like to look at the book. <laughs> I like to look at the Bible as my final authority. And if I find out that the curse has stopped with Jesus, then I realize if it's trying to stay in my life, I get to say something about it. I get to do something about it. I get to rise up in my place in Christ Jesus and determine this doesn't belong here and I'm kicking you out today in Jesus' name. Now, a lot of Christians don't understand that you have the rightful authority through the the name of Jesus and the finished work of Christ on the cross to actually kick certain things out. Hallelujah. It doesn't belong. If it don't belong, you know, if something comes into your house tonight because you left the front door open, well, you're not going to just live with it. Let's say it's a skunk or it's a, it's a squirrel or some, someone else's animal even. You're going to kick that thing out. And if you realize there's certain things that don't belong to you no more, then you'll kick it out. 
and you have the name of Jesus, which is higher than every other name. Come on, somebody. And you're seated with him above every other name. So now you've got some authority to do it. Can you say amen? You don't just sit back and let things come and harass you. I mean, you might know other Christians that do that, but this place, we're going to dump out some revelation where you realize you can do something about the curse when it tries to reattach itself to you. And not only do you have the ability to do something about it, but once you gain an understanding that the buck stopped with Jesus and that curse was laid on him when he went to the cross, then you understand if it was put on him, there's no reason for it to be on you anymore. Hallelujah. So I wanted to kind of start with just this truth right here, knowing that I'm redeemed from the curse. I am right now redeemed from the curse. Now, I might have symptoms. You might have symptoms. But those symptoms have to bow to this truth. And you've got to know this truth. And you've got to express this truth through the spoken word out of your mouth because that's how faith is expressed. you got to start saying, I have been redeemed from all the curse. It don't matter if your great-granddad had heart disease and then, your, and then it just passed on to all his brothers, to all your uncles, to all your cousins, and now you're next in line. Guess what? Jesus said, I'm going to step in front of you so that what you were next in line for, I'm going to go ahead and take it for you so it don't have to be on you anymore. He did that for your uncle. He did that for your brother. He did that for your father. He did that for his father but they might not have known it. The moment you know it, hallelujah, that's when faith rises up in your heart and that's when a, a, an, aggressive, an aggressiveness rises up in your heart where you say enough is enough. Now think about this. There's a lot of things that are passed down. Cancer, right? Uh, small diseases, large diseases, certain curses. Have you ever noticed there's certain things that will trail families as like, you know, it could be a way they die, or it could be an attitude they have. It could be suicide. A lot of these paths, you know, the devil, he works really hard. Have you ever noticed that? He'll work really hard. He'll go back to previous generations just so it'll pass down to you to the point where you think it's inevitable that that's the route you have to take. But guess what? It doesn't matter what has happened previously in your family tree? You got to look back to the other tree. You got to go to the other tree. What tree? He said, Cursed is every man that hangeth on a tree. Why did he do that? He did that as a substitute for you. He did that to step in line and say, I'm going to take the place that you would have to have taken because of what the enemy put in your family history. But I'm going to go ahead and genetically re-engineer you so that no longer you have to be harassed with what's passed down in your genes. And that's what we've been reading in our text in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If any man, everybody say any man. That includes you. If any man be in Christ, if you're born again, that includes you. If you've received Jesus, what happens is, is God puts you in Christ. You become a brand new person. In fact, it says, amen, be in Christ. Old things 
are passed away. Let me tell you something. The work of the cross, the work of his death and burial and his resurrection is so radically powerful that it can take care of every curse, not just the curse of the law, but the curse of the fall, every curse that someone may have put on you even, come on, every generational curse, it's more powerful than any event that you could have experienced and been traumatized with. Come on, somebody. How many have ever been traumatized or had something happen to you and you hold on to that? And because of that, uh, it, it really affects your path in the future. Uh, maybe it's a, a, a past action that you've done in your life, and it's just kind of dogged your trail. You ever heard that phrase? It's just dogging my trail. Well, guess what? The power of the resurrection, the power of the death even, and the burial of Jesus, that finished work is greater than anything that you've been traumatized with. It's a greater event. Uh, go, go here to, I'll leave you with that, but go here to Exodus chapter 20. Let me just kind of reiterate some points here that maybe you've heard before and maybe you haven't. But look here in verse 5 of Exodus 20. I'll read to you out of the King James. It says, I the Lord, look here, he says, I the Lord visit the iniquity uh, we're starting, don't worry about the first part of that verse. Look where it says, for I the Lord, start there. For I the Lord thy God am a jealous God. And look what he says, visiting the iniquity of thy fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Notice what it says here. He says, I'm the Lord your God. And this is what he says he will do for us. He's going to visit the iniquity, right? Of who? The third, the fourth generation of those that hate me. How many of you know it's not a good idea to hate God? Not a good idea to be an en enemy of God. It's not a good idea to have a family history or let's say a, a figurehead like a father who trains their children to hate God. And then they pass that on to their children. And from generation to generation, you've got families that are kind of, you know, they have a hatred towards God. Well, God's saying, I'm going to deal with that, and I'm going to visit their iniquity so I can clear that curse that's on all those generations. Right? You, you say, well, they would have a curse for hating God? Well, think about this. For example, let me give you an example. Because God told this about Abram. He said, I'll bless them that bless you, and I'll curse them that curse you. Well, Abram really was a friend of God. Abraham was a friend of God. And so hatred towards Abraham meant hatred towards God. And God said, if you're going to curse Abraham, I'm going to curse you. Now, don't you think that if you're going to have hatred towards God, it's going to not open you up to a curse? Yeah, absolutely. The devil's not a, a, a dummy in that respect. He, if he can find an open door to get into your life and have that curse travel from generation to generation amongst your children, he's going to do it. And he feels he's successful in doing so. 
And the sad thing is, is there's born again people that don't realize they're redeemed from curses like that. All right? So he says, I'm going to visit the iniquity of all those generations who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me. You say, well, what does that mean? How is he going to visit those iniquities? How can we tie this together? Well, turn with me to Isaiah 53, 4. Isaiah 53, 4. And this really helped me out when I seen this. Isaiah chapter 53, 4. Y'all follow me? Getting something out of this? Look here in chapter 4. We've heard this before, and we only sometimes seasonally hear it, especially around Easter. But I think it would do us good to hear it right now. Surely he, talking about Jesus, hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Look at the very next verse. But he was wounded for our transgressions, and he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of his peace, of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Now this portion of scripture represents substitution. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. When did this take place? On the cross, right? Through his death and through his burial. He was, uh, by his stripes, we are healed. Think about that. But I want you to just pay attention to this part of the scripture where it says, he was bruised for our iniquities. So this is where Jesus, or I should say God, by his son Jesus, visited the iniquities of all the generations prior, including you. Where? It was through the bruising on the cross. Amen. Now, how many of you know that a bruise doesn't appear right away? You can experience some kind of trauma, and it could be a day, it could be hours, but it could be a day or two or three, depending on how deep the affliction is, the bruise won't show up till later. You understand what I'm saying? And uh, no matter what happened to you in your life, no matter what you've been traumatized with, come on somebody, no matter what your family tree may show, those bruises appear later. And you've got to deal with that. You ever notice that? There's things that you may have seen or experienced. And they, like I said, they traumatize you or, or it becomes baggage that you carry. And you didn't do anything. It wasn't you that sinned. It wasn't you that made that choice. But it seems like the devil's harassed enough people to think, that what someone else did, you got to now pay the price for it. And those bruises appear later in our life. You know, as a child, something may have dramatically happened to you and you may have been assaulted in some way. 
physically or sexually or you think about these things that that are real that really do happen and then later on that child grows up the bruises don't appear right away he goes on playing on the playground like every other child but he becomes a teenager and all of a sudden the bruises appear and he thinks he deserves this. He thinks this is how he was born. He thinks this is exactly the way it's supposed to be. Maybe it's a, a sickness and a disease. I've seen certain things go, happen in my own family uh, through sickness and disease. And in the back of my mind, I almost think, I wonder when I'm next. I don't think that now, but I got a revelation that Jesus was next in line and took my place. But how many people actually think that? If you've seen a person after person after person have heart disease or have cancer or certain things in your family, the devil's going to harass you and tell you, you're next in line. And it's because of their choices. It's because of what they did. And then he tries to tell you it's because of your choices too. And see, it can happen in reverse, too. Sometimes we look at our family and think, everything's all right. Look at we've got healthy genes. I'm going to be healthy, too. And the devil will make you think that because of their good works, you're going to be okay, too. And once you attribute things to your good works, the curse comes with that, too. He's, he knows what he's doing. That's why we don't point the finger at what we've done right or what we've done wrong or what someone else has done right or done wrong. We've got to point the finger back to Jesus and thank him that he actually had bruises appear on him, which represents he went all the way back to your childhood. He went all the way back to those pains that haunt you. He went all the way back to those situations that you didn't know about that were passed down from your great-grandfather and your great-grandfather and visited their iniquities so that you'd never have to be harassed by the devil again. Come on. Hallelujah. You follow what I'm saying? If by his stripes were healed, then how about by his bruises were free? Right? So in other words, I don't have to have bruises appear from something that happened yesterday. Glory to God. I don't have to be affected by whatever it is that was dramatic in my family tree. Come on, somebody. This ought to help you today. I can be free from that. I can be so free because I know that if I'm in Christ, I'm a new creature. And I've got new genes. I've got new DNA. I have been genetically re-engineered. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? So Jesus actually loved us so much that he said what you, what you deserve just because of your genetics or what you deserve because of choices from generation, generations down or even your, jo your choices from five weeks ago. <laughs> Jesus went to those instances and visited the iniquities that belong to those instances so that you wouldn't have to experience the bruises of it. Now, how does that apply to you? Just because Jesus did it doesn't mean that you're automatically going to be free from it. You've got to know it. And knowledge, when knowledge comes, that's when faith rises up. And you've got to apply your faith in the direction of that and start saying, I am free from the bruises of both my past and the past sins of generations that go before me, 
I am free from the bruises that show up, and that includes sickness, disease, and everything that sin deserves. I'm free from it in Jesus' name. I don't know if that gets you excited, but boy, that's some good stuff. A lot of people need to hear that. A lot of people need to hear that, and some of y'all need to hear that too because, you know, some things we treat as though it's inevitable that you can't escape it because of your natural genes. But let me tell you something. What Jesus did affected you both spiritually, in your soul arena, and in your physical arena. Glory to God. He affects you in every arena of your life. Now, let me just, let, let me give you an example here that I believe will help you. Psychology has this term that they use, and it's called determinism. And they have what they call genetic determinism. In other words, our genes determine who we are, and uh, it's called determinism because if you look up the definition, it's something you don't choose, it's something you can't escape from. Your, your life is determined to go in this direction because of genes, actions, what runs in your family. They call that genetic determinism. And there's more than three, but they, they oftentimes will break it down in three arenas. They'll break it down in psychic determinism, uh, genetic determinism, and then environmental determinism, those three things. Now, the genetic determinism is this, you know, whatever runs in your family, it's going to run in you. And, and, you know, there's some truth to that. There is some truth to that, right? Science shows that, and doctors can reveal that, and they'll ask you all the time. You ever call your doctor up or have an appointment or set up an appointment? They'll ask you, uh, does colon cancer run in your family? They asked me that the other day. Does such and such run in your family? Does this run in your family? That's just questions that they ask because it's proven that what's appeared in generations before can and possibly will show up, you know, in your life as well. That's why we don't worship science and science is not the final authority. And the moment you start determining that science is the final authority, then you're no different than the, than the government right now. Problem is, I don't think they're following science. I think science is following politics. That's the problem. You notice that? <laughs> it's, it's something that a senile man can adjust science to benefit. And I, I'm not kidding you. I think he's senile, and that's sad. Thank you for your enthusiasm about that. But I, we bring some of that stuff up in this church. And if they don't like it, you know, you could give me thumbs down on YouTube. That's okay, too. But it's just sad that we have a puppet that's not really even running things. Anyway, I don't want to get them on a rant. I've got something to give you here today. But, you know, if, you, if you're going to glorify these things, then your path is inevitably going to go in the direction that previous members of your family went in because that's where your faith is at. Right? I mean, if, if suicide follows your family, that's probably the direction you're going to go in. Unless you put your foot down and say, not, not today. If cancer runs in your family, someone's got to be in your family and say, not, not me. And if, if it's science that you glorify, 
then what you're going to do is you're going to quit eating bologna and you're going to get rid of all the trans fats and you're going to get rid of all thinking that that's going to keep you well and there's so many hidden things in your food now how, how can you even believe that something is gluten-free just because they put it on the package come on how can you even trust what they're saying? I mean, anybody can make a package and put the same white Wonder Bread in that package and you think it's got 25 grains in it. That's why you got to pray over your food and you got to trust God for your health. You can't trust a label. You can't trust the FDA, that's for sure. You can't trust the CDC and you can't trust the WHO and you can't trust who's in the White House either. But you can trust in the Bible. You can trust what the Bible says. And we can bring out some truth as to what the Bible says. He visited, come on, the iniquities when he was bruised for our iniquities. And so whatever genetic determinism says about you, you got a new father, you got a new son, you got new DNA. All you got to do is look at Jesus, your brother. Come on, that's your, that's your elder brother. You can look at God the Father and know that you are joined to him. And as he is, so are we in this world. That's what the Bible says. So as, as let's, let's think about that. As he is, who's that talking about? Jesus, so are we. Well, how is he? How is Jesus? Does he got COVID? Does he got cancer? Does he got rheumatoid arthritis? Does he got issues? I mean, some major mental issues. Oh, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. Did he have those things? Did he? Yes, voluntarily, he went to the cross, and he was bruised for our iniquities. Right? The chastisement of our peace was laid upon him. Right? By his stripes... We are healed. All of that was a voluntary action, right? Because Eric, he's seen you and said, I love him so much. I don't want him to have to take what, what genetic determinism says belongs to him. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to represent him on the cross. And I'm going to take that and put it to death and get it buried. And then I'm going to raise myself up. And Eric's going to be raised up with me so that he's a brand new person so that he could be re-engineered, free from all the curse, and so that the blessing of Abraham and the promise of the Spirit could be in his life from this moment forward. Now, if your name ain't Eric, then this still applies to you. Right? Mike, it works for you. <laughs> works for all of us. Glory to God. Works for me. Hallelujah. That's why Paul... He said this, he said, I am crucified, right? Well, was he there? He wasn't there. Jesus was the only one crucified. But Paul's revelation is so, so awesome. He actually realized that what Jesus did included him. So when Jesus was crucified, Paul said, I was there, right? When he, when he was buried, Paul said, that old man was buried. When he rose from the dead, he said, I was risen together with Christ. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. That's Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Such a powerful verse and could be your confession as well. So is it, is it true that genetic you know, determinism is something that's a real thing? But yeah, it's true. But it's something 
that can be escaped and can be uh, obliterated (laughs) in your life when you get your life found in Christ. Colossians says, my life is now hid in Christ, right? In other words, I'm not who I used to be. I'm now in Christ. And because I'm in Christ, I've got in Christ determinism. Whatever's in Christ determines the direction of my life. If Christ is healed, I'm healed. If Jesus is blessed, I'm blessed. Everything Jesus did, he didn't do it so you'd just worship him and he could be elevated and all of a sudden he's our hero. No, he did it for you. We do worship him. He is our hero, right? But everything he did, it wasn't so that uh, he could be God and you could be a little gnat and slap you down with a fly swatter every time you do wrong and you could be submissive to him. No, he did it so you could be redeemed from all the curse and saved and free and blessed and rich and whole and have vision and have purpose, okay? So we have that. We got, we got this thing called genetic determinism. Then we got, this is an important one for you to understand because this is where a lot of people, if they're not careful, they, they let their mind run rampant. They open up their mind to just anything. And they have a radical turnaround with the way they think about certain things. Isn't it something, you know, I hear horror stories of parents. This is called psychic determinism. Horror stories of parents that sent their kids to the system, universities, right? And they come back and they think different. It's true. To the point where they were a girl and they don't think they're a girl no more, so they want to be a boy. Where, Where did they get that? Certainly not from the Bible. Certainly not from the birth certificate even. (laughs) Not even from science, right? But when there's psychic determinism, your identity, your behavior, and your your thinking are determined, uh, or your character, I should say, is determined by your thinking. And our younger generation's really getting brainwashed. Have you noticed that? And it's not starting at the university system where you got to pay for them to get brainwashed to be stupid. No, you send them to elementary school now, and they, they get sex education, and who knows what they're telling about that. But it's just so perverted now, and they're starting at a very young age. Why? Because the devil knows this is true. The devil knows what Jesus did was powerful enough to eradicate the bruising from all the generations behind you that made choices for your failure. They may not have did it on purpose, but wrong choices, if they go undealt with, can affect generations down the line. That's why as Americans, we got to vote right, we got to make right choices, because it doesn't just affect you right now, it affects generations down down the line. Are you listening to what I'm saying? People say, don't bring that up in church. Why not? The Bible talks about different ministry gifts in the church, and one of them is governments. we got to talk about governments in church because people take a blind eye to it and let certain things just go rampant in the nation that you live when you got to say about it. 
And it doesn't just affect you. It affects other people. It affects your children and their children that aren't even born yet. So we got to make choices as to what we listen to because what we lend our ear to is what determines the way we think. And as a man thinks, there's the truth to that, so is he. But let me tell you what, there's, there, I like this. You know, one man, he walked around with his Bible and put it in his pocket. He said, and people would go up to him and say, what do you think about such and such? He goes, well, let me ask my brains. I carry them with me in my pocket. <laughs> he said, I carry my brains with me in my pocket. He's talking about the word of God. You got to let God's thoughts determine every step of your way. You can't Google search and find out what other people's thoughts are so you can get your answers. Because if you start Google searching and you start listening to the the AP and you start listening to the spirit of this world who's running all these things, which is the devil, he's the God of this world. And don't you think the world's going this direction because a bunch of wacky people, no, there are people that will yield to a wacky devil. Right? And, and they appear wacky. Anybody that's going to let be a puppet to the devil is going to be a wacky puppet. <laughs> right? But uh, if you lend your ear to anything but the thoughts of God, it determines, come on, that's, that's why they call it psychic determinism. It can determine the direction you're going to go in life. That's why you've got to get these realities of who you are in Christ What belongs to you? Like, how about this thought? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's a thought from God. And the devil will try to tell you, you can't because you're too small-minded. You need to get an education. You need to go through the system. You need to have a degree, all these certain things. No, all you need is the mind of God and you can do anything. Don't let this world system put boundaries on you and handcuffs on you and keep you average. Get a hold of the thoughts of God and you'll break through the container of average and do great things for God, great things in your family. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're amen in me. I'd like some amens in this place. In unison right now, one, two, three. Thank you. I just want to see if you'd obey me. Just want to see if you're following me as I follow Christ. <laughs> Let your yeas be yea and your nays be nay. Amen. And if you agree with it, say amen. Praise the Lord. And so you've got to allow what comes into your think tank to be what God is saying. Because what God says is truth. And the truth of God, the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It's the word of God. It's powerful. And the word will break through every line of Satan's defense, and it'll break you out of average. Isn't it something, you know, there's, I know there's people, I've, I've talked to people, and they said, you know, the reason why I can't see myself doing such and such is because my daddy always told me I'd never amount to much. You ever heard that before? Or I'd never... See, I'd never be able to cross over to those side of the tracks. You know, a bunch of doctors and lawyers and you see they're earning a lot of money. But my daddy always told me, we're just good old happy people. and We don't need a lot of money to be happy, which is true. Money don't make you happy. 
But you get a hold of a poverty mindset and you start, you know, agreeing with this idea that to be humble is to be poor. Right? And, and we're going to walk in humility and we're just going to be content. That's wrong way of thinking that can be passed down that can be a determinism in your life as to how far you're going to even go financially. How about what does the word say? Jesus, the Bible says this, became poor so that we might be what? Made rich, right? So here we are seeing substitution by stripes. Why did he take stripes on them? So that we'd be healed. By his bruises, why, why was he bruised? For our iniquities. So that he'd visit the iniquities of generation to generation to generation. Why did he become poor? So that we'd never have to be poor no more. <laughs> so that we could be rich, right? And that is included in the redemptive work of the cross. Till you get that kind of thinking going on, then the other way of thinking is going to determine, come on, it's going to determine your outcome in life. You've got to let what Jesus did determine the outcome. Amen. That's good stuff. And so what do you do? You get his thoughts. He said, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Even as the heaven is high above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. You know, certain mindsets can limit you. They can keep you bound. They can keep you locked up. But God can break those mindsets and you can get a hold of the mind of Christ and he can carry you to a whole nother level. Amen. Can you say amen? Now let's look at this third way. Y'all getting something out of this? You have what you call environmental determinism. So you're going to be in that fishbowl, in that fishbowl, whatever culture or environment you grew up in, that's as far as you'll go in life. You ever heard that? Environmental determinism means you are what you are and your surroundings and the influences around you will limit your future. That's why, this is a whole different message, but I'm going to go there. You've got to be careful with who you surround yourself with. If you want to fly like an eagle, then don't hang out with turkeys. Right? You say, well, I don't. I hang out with pigeons. That's okay, right? No, no. They just sit on people's doorsteps and mess all over their porch. If you want to fly with an eagle, then you've got to hang with eagles. Now, I, <laughs> I like this scripture here. I'm going to read it in a couple translations. This is really good. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. You can put it up in the King James. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. You don't just hang with anybody. There are some people you're born into family with. You, you know, you're in the family. So, you, you, you know, that's something you can't escape. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? You can choose to love from a distance. But there's some people you can say no to. That's a very powerful word. That's a, that's a very powerful word. You ought to use it sometime. You know, if your old friend who's a drug dealer says, come on over and spend some time with me, I promise we're not going to do such and such. A very powerful word that you need to use is no. <laughs> right? That's, that's one extreme. Okay? But there are just some people who constantly are negative, 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 unbelief, unbelief, sickness, sickness, sickness. All they talk about is sickness. They talk about their itch. They talk about their scab. They talk about their bruise. They talk about their everything. Everything's something they're going to die from. You know what? I'd rather not talk to you today. I'll just love you from a distance. I'll text you. 
That's, those are people that you just text. Those are text-only friends. You've got to determine what kind of friends you're going to be around because those friends could corrupt you, especially if you're not strong enough. Now, if, if you're at a place where you're, you're spiritually in a position where you can bring people up, that's another story. But not everybody's there. Some people are very influential. In other words, they're easily influenced. Instead of being an influence, they're easily influenced. And you've got to sit under the word and get to the point where you're full of the power of God and full of faith where you can pick people up, pull people up. But it, be honest with yourself. Until you're there, don't be around other people that will influence you in the wrong direction. Choose your friends wisely. Look at the scripture here. It says, be not deceived. Evil communication. Corrupt. Good manners. Look at this translation in the CEB. It says, don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. In other words, if your character is diminishing and you're not the person you were raised to be, how many were raised with Bible standards and mom taught you, you know, this is what the word of God says and this is the way we're going to believe and you grew up that way and all of a sudden you met somebody that didn't believe that way but you hung around them long enough that you started to drop some of your standards. Anybody ever done that before? Am I the only one? that had influences in my life that I got around and looked in the mirror one day and thought, this ain't me. Am I the only one? No, but we got to be wise to that because the devil knows how to send people across your path that can get you back to the place that you once were before you were re-engineered. Right? So what's it say? It says, bad company there's, there's bad company. You've got to determine what that bad company is. If they're not of faith, it's bad company. There are Christians that can be bad company. I'm not talking about sinners here. I'm talking about Christians. There's brothers in the Lord that can be bad company. Right? And until you can be good company to them, keep a distance and text. Say, brother, I'm just believing for you. You know what I mean? I'm praying for you and believing for you. But if you are easily influenced with bad company, you're going to have to limit who gets in your holy of holies because whoever gets in your little circle are going to be the ones that either bring you up or tear you down. Right? And you've got to pray in the Spirit and let God direct you as to who those people are. Glory to God. I like the Amplified translation. It's really good. It says, do not be so deceived and misled. Evil companionships, communion, associations, corrupt, depraved good manners, morals, and character. But see, there's something that happens in Christ. You get born in Christ, you get born again, you get born into a company of faith, right? We see over in Acts chapter 4, in verse 23, we don't have to turn there for time's sake, but they went to, they were harassed, right? They were being harassed, and they went to their own company and prayed. That's your choice to do that. You can get around a company of people that prays, a company of people that believes God. Amen. And that company of people will pull you up. Amen. You want to be around people that are going to encourage you. You want to be around people, David, that say, you know what? You can do what's on your heart. Hallelujah. You, you can do what God's called you to do. You can do all things through Christ. 
You, you believe in God for that big of a building? How, how are you going to do that? Oh, my gosh. You don't have the money for that. You don't want to be around people like that. If God's told you that you can do something, well, well, you know, they're just honest realists. I'm not, I'm not afraid of being around realists. But if you're not a person of faith and don't see what I see, that's why I don't throw pearls before swine because not everybody can handle what God tells me to do. And you don't just lay out your remote controller on the ground either because a dog will get it. So you don't share everything with everybody unless they're going to encourage you, speak into your life, right? What is this called? This is called environmental determinism. Be careful of the environment you get in because it can determine where you go in life. Get in an environment of faith. Get in an environment of belief. We're, we're, amen. Hey, if you've got symptoms on your body and the doctors told you, you know, you've, you've got such and such going on, you want to be around people that are going to speak the word over you, that are going to lay hands on you, that are going to tell you you're going to live and not die. You don't want to be around a group of people that's going to send out their sympathy card to you and start writing your epitaph and you're going to help you choose your tombstone and your casket. You know, people in church will do that and say, isn't this a pretty casket? This is walnut. This, is, this one's gold. What do you think of this? Look at this catalog. It's wonderful. You know, you're going to die here pretty soon. Could you put me in your will? You know, that, that's stupid. I want to be around people. If I, get, if I get a report like that, I'm not going to be around people like that. I want to be around people that are going to stand around me and sing faith and preach faith and talk faith and get their hands on me. You know, Paul had people like that around him. Paul was stoned to death, and he died. He was stoned to death in Iconium, and they stood round about him until he was raised up. I want to be around a company of people that will stand around me and say, you're going to make it. You're going to live. You're not going to die. By his stripes, you're healed. You're not who they say you are. You're who the Word of God says you are. A little bit excited about this stuff (laughs) because this stuff's real. People don't know no better. That doesn't make them a bad person, right? I mean, you, you know, you, you got false teeth. They're not bad, especially when you don't have teeth. Right? But when people don't know any better, you, at least you got to know better so that you don't get around something that's going to affect your faith. Right? Y'all, is this helping you? Praise God. Look here again at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 17, I'm going to give you a couple more scriptures and then we'll, we'll end this. Is it all right? Hallelujah. Say, I'm free. Say, I am free from the curse of the law and the fall. Every generational curse. I'm free from it. Hallelujah. I am free in Jesus' name. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, let's read it. And I'll read it in a couple other translations. It says, therefore, if any man or woman... That includes women too. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. One translation says this, the original conditions have passed away, and they have been replaced by new conditions. That's in the Wade translation. I like this translation. It says, a true Christian is not merely a man altered, but a man remade. Hallelujah. The old conditions are gone, and there are new conditions. Everything has become new. Say that with me. Everything in my life 
has become new in Christ. Now, we see this in Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 4. This is the heart of God. This is what God intended through the new birth. This is what happens. Look at Jeremiah 18, verse 4. It says, And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make it. Another verse, another translation says this, Go down to the potter's house, and I'll show you how I can take a vessel that has been marred and make it all over again. People say, well, I just wish God would fix me up. God doesn't fix broken things. God remakes it. Are you listening to me? I said he doesn't take Humpty Dumpty that fell off the wall and put him back together again. No, he remade Humpty (laughs) and gave him a different name. He's not Dumpty no more. (laughs) Thank God. Maybe he's not Humpty either. That's not too good of a name. (laughs) But... God remakes you, re-engineers you, recreates you. That's what being born again is about. Religion has nothing to do with being born again. They throw a book at you and say, study this, learn this, confess this, say this, and change the way you are. But God doesn't throw a book at you. He threw a man into the earth named Jesus and said, replace Marquise. Take his place. Substitute for him. Become sin. Take his shame. Visit the iniquities of his whole family, the whole kid family, everybody from generation to generation so that his name can be cleared of all the curse. Jesus said, okay, I'll do that because I love him so much. In fact, Take all his unrighteousness. Take any future sins, past, present, and future, so that even if he messes up down the road, he's still in the free and clear because he's the righteousness of God in Christ. Hallelujah. Let him know that he's pre-forgiven of all his sins. Think about that. If, If you were the only person on the earth, this is the way it would be for you. In fact, take a crown of thorns upon your head so that he can be prosperous. Because you know what the thorns represent. They represent the curse of poverty. You know what it represented in the garden? It represented work, hard work. Right? Toil. Thorns and thistles the rest of their day. Stickers and just work and things they never had to do. But Jesus said, I'll take the work. I'll take the toil. I'll take the sweat and put on Marquise, a crown of righteousness. Did he do that for you? Would he do that for you? Would he do that for any of us? If you were the only person, he would do it because he loves you. Hallelujah. And now he says, your identity in Christ changes everything. Your identity in Christ, now it changes everything. That means you got to be, you, you got to go, you, right now, have to go beyond what's ever happened to you in the past. You got to go beyond it. You can't, you got to stop carrying that up around like a badge. Well, I am the way I am because of what I did. Stop it. He said, well, how do I stop wearing that badge? Stop talking that way. Right? 
well, I'll never go very far in life because my, shut up. I'm just being honest with you and being your pastor, stop it. Well, you know, I, I think I got, I, I think I might have cancer. Stop, stop, stop right there. I think something's wrong with my, something, my heart, my heart, you know, it's just, it's, it, my granddaddy had it. Something, no, 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 no. Shut your mouth. And don't open your mouth until you know what to say. Get your brain out. It's the word of God. Does the word of God say, by his stripes you were healed? So that's past tense. So stop saying you're sick. Well, I can't come in. I'm sick. Stop it. Stop. Stop. Yeah, I understand you got symptoms. I'm not telling you to deny the symptoms. I'm not telling you to, you know, just walk around saying, I'm not sick. 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 What you're going through is real. But you got to learn how to apply your tongue right. you got to learn how to talk right. You can't agree with the sickness because the moment you agree with the sickness, you step out of the realm of faith and the just live by faith. And there's no victory unless you're in that arena of faith. And faith doesn't say I'm sick. Faith says I'm healed. So you got to walk around and say, by stripes, I'm healed. I may feel sick right now. I may have symptoms on my body. The doctor may have said such and such, and it may look like something that appeared in my granddaddy when he died. But guess what? By his stripes, I'm healed. He visited the iniquity of third generation, fourth generation, fifth generation, sixth generation. He went down my family tree and cleared me of every bit of the curse. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. I am healed. And you know what? All of a sudden, when you start talking faith, what's going to happen? Those symptoms are going to scatter. Those symptoms are going to realize they're not invited in your body. They're not invited in your house. Come on, somebody. I've had symptoms come on me. I had to go in the backyard where no one else could hear me and walk in a circle looking like I'm some nut saying, by whose stripes, body, you are healed right now. Now leave this body. Some of you have done that. I, we had an individual had had colon cancer in the church, and he said I was in the back. He goes, I got alone by myself. I was mowing the lawn, and the neighbors looked over the fence to see if everything's all right because I was just shouting out loud, "You are healed!" And they were wondering who I was talking to. I was just saying, "You are healed. You are healed. Cancer is the curse. You are redeemed from all the curse. You are not in this body. You are not allowed to stay here." And he goes, "I didn't care what it sounded like. I didn't care what it looked like. I didn't care what the neighbor said. I'm not living for the neighbor. I'm living for Jesus, and I'm living by faith." And he. He said, when I started to say that, something happened in my body. Went back to the doctor, and every bit of it was gone. Hallelujah. Yes. He said, this stuff really works. Get your brains out. Because if it's in your brain, if you can get this brain in this brain working from here, I'll tell you what, man, I, that's when the life of God will start flowing through you. I'm not telling you that you'll never have symptoms. I'm not telling you you'll never have problems. You, you're going to face problems. I'm just telling you that you, there, there's an angle of attack to where you win every time. And if you'll learn how to live by faith, you won't have to be another statistic. Hallelujah. So what are you saying? You've got to get beyond being like everybody else who cooperates with the disease and cooperates with the poverty and starts talking about it and starts crying about it and starts complaining about it and starts Google searching every other symptom and, oh my gosh, we're all going to die. Stop. That's when you got to stop. 
Shake yourself and say, I'm a man in Christ. And if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. I'm brand new. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Y'all getting something out of this? Let me just close by saying this. You've got to now acknowledge these things. You've got to acknowledge your union with Christ. You've got to acknowledge your, your, that you're joint heirs with God. You're, you're joint heirs with Christ. You're heirs to the throne. You're heirs with God. You're joined to God. He that is joined to Christ is one with the Lord. All these scriptures that, are, that have prepositions that join you to him, you've got to start acknowledging these things and confessing them out of your mouth. Amen. Instead of saying, I am sick, say, I am healed. Instead of saying, I am poor, say, I am rich. Don't we sing that song, let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich. Let the, let, let, let the sick say, I am healed. In other words, if you're feeling sick, say, I'm healed. Why? Because faith from that angle of, of attack, faith that speaks, will take the word of God that's powerful like a sword and will cut asunder and divide you from that disease. It's like taking a, taking a scalpel and just taking the tumor out. That's what the word will do. It'll, it'll take out the parasite. It'll take out the virus. The word of God's powerful like that. Hallelujah. You're going to trust the word or you're going to trust science. Right? You're either going to trust the nail in his hand or a jab in your shoulder. Which now they're going to tell you to take a third jab and by December I promise you there'll probably be a fourth jab and then the next time you know it there's going to be a fifth jab because you're going to have to trust in God anyway. Because there's going to be move. Coming after Delta. That's the new one they're talking about, Moo. Where do they get these names? Like a cow, M-U. Moo's the new one. And then there's going to be another one after that. And another one after that. And I, I guarantee you that there's going to be another one after that. And I promise you there's things in the air right now that have nothing to do with COVID-19. It's something different. And you're walking out in the unknown not even knowing. Right? And because of it, there's no fear because they haven't said nothing. And those things attach to fear. I found out that I've known people. In fact, just this last week, I knew someone that the moment COVID-19 came, they got gloves, they got the, they got the masks, they got the, they got the science to a T, they got all the stuff they needed to get. And with all that protection and all their jabs, they're in the hospital. And I'm praying and believing God, and they're getting better. Thank God. But you can't put your faith in that stuff. You can't put your trust in that because that, that, is, that, that, that is not fail-proof. But let me tell you something that's fail-proof. Faith in God. I know God is, but all things are possible to him that believes. So people say, if all things are possible to God, then God will just do it, right? No, all things are possible to him that believes. God can't do anything unless there's faith. So what has that got to do with what you preach? Faith is expressed by your words. You've got to rise up and not hold on to everything and not agree with everything you see, feel, or touch. 
but rise up in faith and start saying what God says about you. you say, where can I start? Well, we've quoted 2 Corinthians 5.17 probably 40 times in the last three weeks. You should know that one by heart. If any man be in Christ, thank you, Lord, I'm a man in Christ. I'm a new creature. I'm not who I used to be. I've been recreated. I've been re-engineered. Those things don't have to dog my trail no more. I'm a brand new person. I've been re-DNA'd. I've got new genes. I'm one with the Lord. Hallelujah. Old things are passed away. Amen. I'm a brand new person. I'm redeemed from the curse. I'm the healed of Christ. My iniquities have been visited over 2,000 years ago on the cross. There's plenty to confess. But, but the moment you, you, you quit confessing from your head and get it down here in, on the inside of you and start seeing it, that's the moment that the reality of this truth starts to evade the darkness in your life. And where there's light, darkness has to go. Right? I said where there's light, darkness has to go. And that's my prayer for you, that the illumination of God's word lightens up your spirit. Right? The entrance of the word brings light. And when light comes, effortlessly, you'll look at certain things and you'll talk to it and say, not today. Not today, devil. Not today, sickness. Not today, poverty. And you know where it starts? Wrong thoughts come, and that's when you need to deal with it before it manifests. Deal with it in the realm of the thought life before it manifests in the physical. And say, not today. Because why not today? Because the Word says. And if you don't know what the Word says, well, that may be because you're not giving yourself to the Word. You give yourself to everything else, but you don't give yourself to the Word. You give yourself to, to partying and all this other stuff, but that ain't going to save you, right? Give your time to the Word, and the Word will save you every time. I'm going to stop with that. Did y'all get something out of that? Praise God. Let's thank God for the Word. Put your hands to heaven and thank Him for the Word today. Father, we thank you for illumination. We thank you for light. And what we've seen today, glory to God, gives us such a bold approach towards everything that comes against us. We don't have to whimper or cower down to it anymore. We get to stand up to these things that have attacked us in the past and rise up in faith and declare that we are who you say we are and that those things have to go in Jesus' name. We thank you for your word today. We thank you that faith rises in our heart as we hear your word. And that faith, glory to God, is what we'll choose to live by in Jesus' name. As we leave this place today, we declare that we'll live by faith, the faith of the Son of God, and declare that we have died with Christ, we've been buried with Christ, and we have risen together with Him as a brand new re-engineered person, free from all the curse. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Give God a good shout of praise right now. Lift your hands to heaven and just praise Him and worship Him. Hallelujah. We worship you. We praise you and we thank you for all that you are and all that you've done for us. And we declare that you'll continue to do for us what you've always done, and that's love us and bless us from head to toe. We're blessed coming in, and we're blessed going out. In Jesus' name, we give you praise for it. Everybody said, Amen.
Man, hallelujah. Before we uh, close out, I don't know if we got other things to do, but I want to do one thing. There may be someone here today that's listening, watching on YouTube, or maybe you're here. Everybody here born again? How many have received Jesus in here? This whole crowd here is born again, but maybe you're not. Maybe you're watching right now. Maybe you're watching later on in the week. But if you've got this thing on and we got your attention, listen, it's never too late to give your heart to Jesus. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord is saved. All you got to do is say, Jesus, I call on you now to save me. Save me. Come into my heart. Make me a brand new person. I don't like who I've been, but I realize that you love me so much that you went to the cross for me. I believe you died for me, and I believe you rose from the dead for me so that I could be a brand new person. Come into my heart and be my Savior. All you got to do is pray that prayer right there. It's simple, but if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says you'll be saved. Today's your day of salvation. If you prayed with me that prayer, I want you to write us, text us, go on social media, find out how to get a hold of us. We want to know who you are and celebrate your brand new life in Christ. Remember, if any man be in Christ, old things are passed.